0: Whitingham, Jacksonville, Wilmington it is peak. The colors are absolutely spectacular and uh, so if you want to take a ride and look at leaves that's the place to do it right now and uh, it's a just a beautiful time of year and uh, it's amazing how how pretty the colors are and uh, all then all of a sudden they're all gone. Not to be a downer. but. <laughs> But down here in town, it'll probably be another 10 days before it peaks. Um, But that's the neat thing about living here, is you have different elevations you can go at different times, and it kind of stretches it all out. And that's really, really great. All right, Acts chapter 1. As you know, our missions conference is coming up in just a couple of weeks on Friday and Saturday and Sunday. So the last three weeks, we've been... In our adult Bible study, dealing with missions. And uh, dealing, first week was uh, a study, our biblical vision. We saw missions in the Old Testament, obviously, missions in the New Testament. If you weren't here last week, we looked in the, in the book of Acts and we saw that Paul said he would not be disobedient to the heavenly vision that God had given him, part of his testimony uh, to spread the gospel. And we know that Paul's history to go on three missionary journeys. And um, my challenge to you is, um, not. the question was not should we be involved in missions, but why are we not involved in missions? And granted, I understand that God does not call every person to the mission field, but I believe that he calls every person to be involved in missions. You're either a goer or you're a sender. You you support those that are on the mission field. If there weren't people at home helping and supporting those who go, the people who go would have a difficult time. Um, And so we talked about that last week. But today, we're going to read this Scripture and then I'll have a word of prayer. I want to today talk about the importance of prayer. And uh, I've often said, I've heard other missionaries say it, that, it's our finances that get the missionaries to the mission field, but more often than not, it is our prayers that keep the missionaries on the mission field. They are desperate for us to pray for them. And before I forget, uh, most probably all of our missionaries—I I can't say all because I don't know all—but many have told me, missionaries on the mission field, they they pray for all of their supporting churches. Uh, You know, most missionaries—maybe the numbers have changed—but most missionaries have missionaries that we support. uh, You know, 50 to 70 churches that support them, and so they're regularly praying for churches, the churches back home, and for God to be blessing those churches. Because as God blesses the churches back home, those churches are able to then give and uh, and to pray and help support the missionaries on the mission field. So there's that whole dynamic. That's how that's how it all works. And um, well, we want to talk today about the aspect of of being a praying church and praying for our missionaries. So let's read Acts chapter one, and um, then we'll have a word of prayer. So the Bible says in Acts chapter one, verse eleven. Actually, I'm just going to back up just for context. Let's just begin from verse one. Uh, but I'm going to zero in on verses eleven through fourteen, and then we'll pray. But the Bible says The former treaties have I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion, many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. but Ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen Him go into heaven. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into the upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zelotus, Judas, the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with His brethren. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for this day that You've given us. Thank You for each and every day that You give us. Help us, Lord, to serve you, to love you, to grow closer to you in our walk. We pray, Lord, and I pray that you'd help me with this lesson this morning, that you would guide and direct everything I'm about to say, that it would, it would, we would learn more about you, more about prayer, more about missions. We do pray, Lord, for our missionaries this morning, many of which have already preached around the world and held services And in many churches, I'm sure today, that souls have come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior and lives have been changed. We we pray, Lord, for our missionaries that are planting new works in the various countries and all that they deal with. Help us to be mindful of them, not only in our giving, but in our prayer life. We ask all this now in Jesus' name. Amen. So we see here right in the beginning of Acts a prayer meeting that's taking place. You notice in verses 13 and 14, and this is really all to the context is before really missions began to go out into the world, before the call of, of Paul to go, and, and, uh, and we'll see some of these things. But we see the apostles there, they're all in the upper room. Jesus has ascended into heaven. The great commission has been given. We we read in verse 8 that they would receive power, the Holy Ghost would come upon them, and they they would be witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. So for you and I, we're reminded that our Jerusalem is really North Adams and um, Adams and Williamstown and just our surrounding area here. And maybe we could think of Judea as being our uh, Berkshire County Um or or the state of Massachusetts or New England. We could think of of Samaria as being perhaps the United States and then the uttermost parts of the world. That's why we send out missionaries. And our church, and the way churches like ours work, is we know all of our missionaries personally. Every missionary comes here. They present their work. They tell us where they're going, how God has called them. And uh, we send and support, uh, right now I believe it's 41 missionaries, at $100 per month. And um, some of the missions money goes to missions agencies and then they disperse the money. Others go to their local church and then they disperse the money. But they send us letters. They report. They tell us what's going on and how they're being used of God on the mission field. Other churches and other groups do it differently. They have agencies. And sometimes the churches don't even know the missionaries that are being supported. But we, I'm not really teaching on this this morning, but we practice faith promise giving for missions. And through our history, we've always been a missions giving church. Our founding pastor, the very first year that there was a church, Mount or then it was called First Bible Baptist Church, the very first year they took on missionaries. And I think I said this last Sunday, the church then was a missions church. It was a brand new church that had just been founded here. In fact, uh, the Thompsons, they were founding members of the church. And uh, they've been here since the very, very beginning. And Shelly and I walked into the church when it was meeting in a little schoolroom. We didn't meet. The first place they met was in the Oasis Plaza, over near where the uh, Boston Fish Market is. One of those stores over there. Right? And then from there it went to the um, um, Briggsville School. And that's where Shelly and I started to That's where Shelly and I both came to know. Or uh, well, that's where Shelley came to know Christ as her Savior, and actually, the church then moved from there from there to here, and this is where I went forward to rededicate my life to Christ, and thought maybe I don't even know if I'm a Christian, and I, if I wasn't saved, I got saved right then and there. But this was a missions church. There, I have a list in my in my desk upstairs of churches around the United States that sent money to establish this church and to pay for this church to get started. So we in kind have done that throughout the years. And some of you have come to know Christ as your Savior through this ministry or ministries just like this. And that's the pattern in the book of Acts that we looked at. We saw some of that uh, last week. But now the emphasis on prayer. And here you see in the early days, in in the book of Acts here, right after the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ, they're all together and they're all praying. So quickly, just look on your handout here. So the Lord taught His disciples to pray. He taught them how to get the prayers answered. The first century church continued in prayer. As we search the Scriptures, we find the church meeting two distinctively different kinds of meetings. They gathered for the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God. And secondly, we find that they gathered to pray. They gathered to pray. And it's so important. You know, I've often said in my years of pastoring here that in my mind, perhaps the most important meeting of the church takes place on Wednesday night. Because that's the night we pray. Or we're supposed to pray as a body of believers. I believe prayer is what empowers the church. And, uh, and it's, not this, it's not unique to our church. Unfortunately, it's like this in many churches that have a Wednesday night prayer meeting. Oftentimes, that's their lowest attendance of the week. But I really believe that it's, it's important. And um, if I didn't believe it was important, I wouldn't have just said what I just said. Uh, And we have to be careful. I think sometimes we do Bible study and prayer meeting on Wednesday. If our Bible study gets to go too long, then people don't pray as they should. And um, I just think it's vital to pray. And I think we're going to see some things here. I'm not sure I'll get through this whole lesson today, but I I just want to give you some examples. So look here again on your handout, Acts chapter 6. Then the Twelve called a multitude of disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves, these are the apostles, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. The church was growing so rapidly then, and you remember the book of Acts, Peter preached and 3,000 men got saved and then it didn't even tell us how many women and children got saved. And then, um he preached again and 5000 got saved and all of a sudden the church is just swelling and the apostles all of a sudden they're consumed with everything other than the ministry of the word and prayer and so then they chose seven men these would be the first deacons so that they and the emphasis here is on the importance of the early church placed upon prayer and the study of God's word so that they could pray uh, you notice, look look where in our text where we started this, this, uh, this morning. Look at verse 14. It said, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. You see that term, one accord, throughout the Scriptures. They were all in agreement. I think a praying church keeps people in agreement. You know, there's an old phrase, it's kind of, Passé, I guess, at this point, but you, probably many of you are, could, could finish this. The, the family that prays together, what? The church that prays together stays together. Because it's a time where you all come together and you bring your requests and we pray for one another. Not only are missionaries we're going to talk about, but we pray for the needs of the church and the needs of one another. That's why I believe it's so important. Look on your handout, Acts chapter twelve. Peter therefore was kept in prison. You now Peter had been arrested, and he's in prison. And look what it says: "But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him." So Peter's in prison, and the church is gathered in a house, and they're all praying together. They're in Mark's mother's, Mark's mother's Mary's house, and they're all praying one with another. And it says, if we were to turn there, where many were gathered to pray. And so here's this situation where Peter's in jail, and the whole church has come together to pray for Peter. And uh, Peter is miraculously delivered from prison. At first, he thought it was a vision, and it, it, it's kind of—I think it's kind of humorous because he's in prison, and, and the the angel of the Lord is there, and the angel of the Lord's got to kind of hit him on the side and say, "Come on, let's go!" And he and he. he you read it sometime. it describes how he's coming out of the prison and then there's this, I think it's called an iron gate. And then when he gets to the iron gate, Peter's probably thinking, well, how are we going to get through the iron gate? And all of a sudden the iron gate goes, and the iron gate opens and out he goes. And then he gets to Mark, Mother's, Mary's house and he knocks on the door. Where they're all praying. If they were good Baptists, they probably thought, man, who's who's, Who's disturbing our prayer meeting? And uh, let's see, I'll give you a quick Bible quiz. A certain lady who was there praying with everyone, anybody remember her name? Rhoda. Comes to the door. Did you say that? Wow, good deal, man. Rhoda. Rhoda, you're looking at me like, well, everybody should know that. You know, like, wow. So she comes to the door, and it's Peter! And she runs back in, and she tells that, group of uh, prayers who kind of wonder how much faith they really had that Peter's at the door and kind of like they ignored her. She said, no, he's really there. See, God does answer prayer, amen? And, but there, here's the point. The church is together. They're praying. Can you imagine as the years went on, as their children grew, the stories that they must have told? Yeah, we gathered together for prayer. And we saw God answer that prayer. We saw God miraculously deliver Peter from prison. By the way, it's a great lesson for our kids when they see us praying. Um, and so, the, I just, I just, it's so important the, um, the prayer life of a church. And you see, they're in one accord when a church prays together. Uh, there are different things that will dissolve this uh, division in a church, but prayer is one of the greatest things that will dissolve it. We just gather to pray. So my first part of the lesson obviously isn't so much about missions. It's about the importance of praying and, and the importance of... And listen, Satan will, do every, Satan will do anything and everything he can to prevent us as a church from praying together because Satan, Satan knows more than you and me how important prayer together is. all kinds of reasons we won't gather to pray. So just think about that. Now, I know sometimes you can't gather. There's other things that are that kind of come in the way. But don't don't allow don't allow the things of this world to prevent you from praying. And if you can't come to prayer meeting, we put all the prayer lists out in the hallway. You all grab one of those and be praying for all those. It's important. It's important. It really is. I think I already said it. If I didn't think it was important, I wouldn't be saying all this. right? I right? I've been doing this for 40 years. I'm just telling you it's important. And uh, if I'm stepping on your toes a little bit, so be it, because I think it's important. But now let's shift gears. I just heard that sigh of relief. Let's talk about the missionaries. And so I don't know if we'll get through all this because we don't have a lot of time left in this lesson. But the lesson that you have here, if you if you open up your lesson now, how do a lot of times people, how do you pray for a missionary? I mean, all of these missionaries that are on the on the mission field, how do you pray for them? And like sometimes people just pray, well, Lord, please bless the missionaries in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I guess that's better than nothing. But be more specific. And uh, the lesson that I have for you today was actually, it's not something I put together. This is an article I read by a missionary many years ago that has helped me. And I try to, I, you know, I, I don't know how many points are here, 10 points. I, I can't necessarily say when I pray for missionaries, I pray for all 10 of these points. But it does give you an idea of what's going on. So the first one you notice is pray for laborers. And the Bible says, of course, Jesus said, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. And so we pray. Uh, We pray that people will be called to the mission field. Uh, We pray for people to fill pulpits. Uh, We pray that their ministry is effective. I mean, God is the one who grants the harvest. And some mission fields will yield greater harvests in our eyes than other mission fields. You send a missionary to a former communist bloc country and more times than not, their churches will grow much slower than if a missionary goes to, say, Africa or South America. Churches seem to grow quicker there. So every field has a different dynamic. But we pray for the laborers. We pray wherever God calls the missionary, pray that they'll be faithful and effective in communicating God's word. I'm going to kind of go through these quickly. Secondly, we, we pray that God's word would be effective. In 2 Thessalonians, it says, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. What does that mean, free course? What do you think? Get you a little bit involved this morning. We don't have a lot of time. To have free course. And the Bible says, Let the word of God have free course. Yes. I think that's part of it. Let it go wherever it's going to go. What else? More to it than that, though. Let the word of God have free course and be glorified, even as it is with you. Yep, the people would be responsive to it. It would change their lives. Yeah. Anything else? Yes. And openness, and what, that's true. What do you mean by that? That the people would be open to it. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. What else? Free course. Yes. That it would spread. Yeah. Yes. That's true. In fact, that's one of the points later on in the lesson about the, the situation where they are, but that is very true. A, that's the whole idea behind free course, that it would be effective, because sometimes the Word of God can be hindered. Sometimes, even in a congregation, the preaching of the Word of God can be hindered by various elements. I mean, I I, I often pray, uh, when I was doing more of the preaching, I still pray now, I like just do the most of the time the adult Sunday school class, that that God would just give me... Paul uses this word in the book of Ephesians, I think also in the book of Colossians, that God would give him utterance. He asked that they would pray that he would have utterance to preach the Word of God. That's to communicate the Word of God clearly and concisely. And um, because, and we'll talk about this too in a bit. There's a spiritual warfare that takes place for the preaching of God's Word. A very famous evangelist once said that after he preached a sermon... Typically, after you preach a 30 to 40 or 50-minute sermon, it feels as if you've done eight hours worth of work. And I can only tell you that often after I've preached, especially when I would preach Sunday morning and I'd preach Sunday night, and, and all by the end of the day, I felt physically exhausted. And you would think, well, you only preach for an hour. Well, maybe a little longer than an hour, but you only preach. But yeah, you feel physically exhausted because there's a spiritual warfare going on. And missionaries are facing that and all the other things that go along with it. Good. Thirdly, God's Word would be glorified. First Thessalonians says, For this cause also, thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the Word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the Word of men, but as it is in truth, the Word of God, which effectively worketh also in you that believe. You know, one of the first steps of understanding the Bible is to respect it. And uh, God's Word can lose respect if the presenters of God's Word um, begin to doubt the Word of God. Um, And so it's so important. Um, uh, Somebody said this, one of the fastest ways for the Bible to come into disdain among the people listening to it being preached is for the missionary to do something that would tear down that respect. Pray that the missionaries live right and respect God so they will have a good testimony and an influence on the way people perceive the Bible. You might think, well, they're missionaries. Shouldn't they have a good, good testimony? They should. But just like preachers, not all missionaries have a good testimony. And the same is true, it can be true of a preacher. You know, all you have to do is look at the news every now and then, and you see some some preacher who gets into some moral problems or, or financial problems. And um It takes away from the glorification of God's Word. Uh, The protection. We pray for the protection from wicked men. uh, Something that Seth was alluding to with regards to governments. Some countries, um, the governments will um, allow the missionary into the country, but they'll look for any reason that they can kick the missionary out of the country. When I was in Belarus years ago, when I traveled to Belarus, uh, there were constantly missionaries being kicked out of the country. They were constantly having to watch their backs. Everything that they did um, and all the requirements because it's the slightest thing the country, the government of Belarus would, would kick them out. Um, we're, we're reminded in the Bible that our warfare is against principalities and powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. It's the rulers of darkness. And that all works through the governments often uh, of the world. And um, some countries, like I said, some governments are more um, sympathetic to Christianity and others are not. Often our missionaries are on the very front lines of those spiritual battles. And they're having to deal with all of that. That's why it's so important to pray for them. Look what Paul said in Romans. He said, now I beseech you. That word beseech, it really means I beg you. I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake, for the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. That phrase there, to strive together, it's, a, it's an athletic term. It's like the athlete who gives it his or her all. That you strive together with me in your prayers that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea, and that my service which I have for Jerusalem may be accepted of the saints. He was looking for deliverance. He knew there was opposition. Quickly move on. Having a right relationship with God. So important. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Missionaries must maintain a good relationship with God in the Bible. So that they can teach from a point of confidence and authority. That's why in the book of Acts it said there when the church was growing that they needed to choose out seven men. The, the apostles knew they needed to be in the Word of God. And they needed to be in, the, in prayer. And so in order that they could minister to the people. That's why Paul begged for, for the prayers of his pe- for people to pray for him. So that, so that he could be in the Word of God and he could be preaching the Word of God and people would be getting saved. So missionaries, they need to have a good prayer life. They need to have a good Bible study time. They need to be encouraged because it's very discouraging on the mission field. So that's part of our praying for them, that they maintain a good relationship with the Lord. Then a right relationship with their family. Whenever I pray for our missionaries, I always start off when I, you know, we have our ten missionaries that we pray for every Wednesday. The first thing I pray for them is for their marriages. We have a missionary that we've been supporting uh, down through the years. um, The McCormicks. Who are now in the process of getting divorced. And um, I've been on the phone every couple of weeks with uh, Cedric and uh, just praying with him and dealing with that issue. But their marriage has come apart. We had another missionary that we supported in Honduras who came here knowing that his marriage was in trouble and raised support here. And she's um, really not, well, God forgive me if I'm wrong, but not very, really very ethical. And uh, then they divorced. And we no longer support them. We, we no longer support Cedric McCormick either. We didn't just, by the way, when that happens, just so that you know, we don't just say goodbye and good luck. We pray with them. We go through a period of time. Uh, often we'll tell them as they go through this transition that we'll support them through the end of the year so that they can transition and do whatever they need to do. And that's what we do with Cedric. That's what we do with the other missionary. That We've done that with other missionaries. And uh, we do, by the way, the same thing when, often when missionaries leave the field for, for other reasons, sometimes they just retire. We almost always tell them through transition, we'll continue to support them until the end of the year, and that'll be their last support check. But pray for their families. Pray for the children that are on the mission field. You know, the missionaries that are, that are uh, the children, sometimes we forget that the children, um, the children aren't always called to the mission field. The mom and the dad are called. And in my mind, not only should the dad be called, the husband be called to the mission field, but if it is a wife-husband team, the wife should also feel called to the mission field. If the husband feels called and the wife doesn't feel called, there's probably going to be some problems down the line. And so, more times than not, depending on how the missionary is being sent out, Either their pastor or a mission agency interviews them to make sure that they're all on the same page. But we need to pray for their families. I always start by praying for their marriages. And then I pray for their children. I don't know all their children by name, but I pray for their children. Um, Some adjust to the mission field better than others. Think, for instance, of a couple that may get called to the mission field a little bit later on and their children are not small. I mean, if you go to the mission field and your children are little, that's all they know. When they come home to the United States, this is kind of different for them. But let's say you're called to the mission field and your child is 12 or 13 years old. And all of a sudden, you take them from this culture to a whole different culture. That's quite an adjustment that they have to make. And sometimes missionary children don't do well. Sometimes they turn bitter. Sometimes... Well, all different things can happen. And um, I, I, I'm sad to tell, tell you this, that uh, one of the missionaries that we work with in Belarus, their daughter committed suicide on the mission field. And um, that missionary and his wife are no longer together. Um, you know, you and I know, and this is a different, you, you and I know that anything that Any institution that God builds up, Satan wants to tear down. So the three great institutions, there's the institution of the family. That's the first institution. So shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his wife, and the two become one flesh. Why are marriages in such trouble today is because what God wants to build up, Satan wants to tear down. So why do we pray for our marriages? Why do I pray for my wife? And why do I still pray for all of my children and now my grandchildren uh, because the Bible tells us to do that. I pray for all of my children's marriages, that they would remain strong and keep their eyes on Jesus. And when my grandchildren, oh man, I'm getting old, because you know, it won't be long before all of a sudden one day I might see one of my grandkids get married. I'll pray for their marriages. Because Satan, hates, Satan hates God's institutions. Satan hates the church. It's God's institution. And um, government. Those are the three institutions, the law that God laid out. Those are other lessons for other times, but we need to pray. We need to pray for our missionaries that they have a right relationship um, with, their, with, with their families. And then, quickly, a right relationship with the country. I've already said some of this. Uh, many missionaries are in countries that are opposed to the gospel. But look quickly on your handout, Acts 22:27. 27. Then the chief captain came and said unto him, tell me, art thou a Roman? And he said, yea. And the chief captain answered, with a great sum, obtained I this freedom? And Paul said, no, I was freeborn. This is an instance in the book of Acts where Paul uh, had been apprehended. He's created quite a stir. He's been accused of bringing Gentiles into the temple. And so they arrest him. And um, the, the reasoning of the local government was Well, let's bind him and scourge him. Let's beat the truth out of him. and Let's really see if this is the case, whether they're right or... or Anyhow, all of a sudden, Paul says, wait a minute, you're going to beat me? I'm a a Roman citizen. And then the, the Roman government, the Roman officials say, oh, wait a minute, we can't beat him. He's a Roman citizen. He's using his citizenship to defend himself. And that was perfectly fine to do that. And so they... They didn't beat him. If if the Roman authorities had beaten him, they would have been guilty of breaking the law. You understand what I'm saying? So they they used that. But listen, when a missionary goes to a foreign country, they don't have rights any longer. Just because they're American doesn't mean they have any rights. They've lost all their rights. I remember when Shelley and I won a trip to Hong Kong, and we took a side trip to Macau. It was a Portuguese province at the time. But you, or it had been a Portuguese province, but it had been returned to the Chinese, the communist Chinese government. But they were still allowing you to go and visit it. So we took one of these, uh, what are those boats that go above the, what, hydrofoils or something like that? And we go into Macau and you walk through and it's all barbed wire and guards there with machine guns. And you kind of walk through and we, we both remarked, you almost, you sense... Because at the time, Hong Kong was still under British rule, so you felt safe in Hong Kong. You walk through that and you've left all of your rights behind. You have no rights. And um, our missionaries are on mission fields that way. Um, when I went to Belarus and we crossed the Polish Belarusian border and we were on the train, and at the, at the, at the Polish Belarusian border, the railroad tracks change. It's from World War I, too, They changed the track so Hitler couldn't take trains into, into uh, Belarus. So we're there and uh, they came into our little cabin and they took our passports and they took my passport and they disappeared with it. That was kind of unsettling right then and there. And they, they gave it back and obviously it was okay. When I was crossing the Haitian-Dominican border, our missionary that sent me and my friend Tim Taylor, we were on this bus and we were going from Dominican, into Haiti, and they said, when you get to the border, do not get off the bus. We got to the border, and they said, everybody off the bus. Oh, that wasn't good. And the border was like out of the Old West. I mean, it was dusty and dry, and there's trucks coming and going, and people walking around with sidearms and guns, and and uh, just like something out of a novel, and and we're thinking, and it's hot, and we don't know anybody, and Tim's carrying money to give to another missionary. And, uh, they took our passports. And, uh, the woman starts to walk away. And we're, we don't know what to do. So Tim says to me, You go that way, and I'll go this way, and we'll keep an eye on this woman. So that's what we did. And obviously, they gave us our passports back. But, but, you know, we have, with all the issues this country has, we have tremendous freedom here. We really do. You lose all that on the mission field. know, And the missionaries have to deal with that. They have to constantly deal with that. And um, so just be mindful of that. Then quickly, because I want to just finish, I'm not going to spend much time, because we're out of time. I'm actually going over. pray for their relationship with other missionaries that they get along pray for their language and communication skills. They go to a mission field. They have to learn a new language. My friend Terry Jones, we helped them move up to Quebec City. They went to the University of Laval to learn French. And uh, they took us while they were there to a French-speaking church. I said, well, why do you want to take me to a French-speaking church? He says, because I want you to experience what a missionary experiences when they go to a missionary mission field and they, they don't have a grasp of the language yet. So we went to that French-speaking church, didn't understand a thing that was said. I think we understood some of the hymns because we couldn't understand it in French, but we could pick up the tune. And it's like, that's what missionaries face. Now, they went there not to minister in Quebec because they were going to the Ivory Coast where they speak French. They went there to learn the language at the University of of Laval, but they immersed themselves in French Canadian culture so that they would more quickly grasp the language. Then lastly, the physical and emotional needs of our missionaries. The rigors of the ministry, the rigors of uh, the mission field, uh, new language, new culture, new climate, new diseases, um, all of that is on the mission field. And sometimes the missionaries... Not only are they minister. they're just trying to, to live. Standing in lines, getting food, dealing with government agencies. Government agencies in foreign countries can be terrible. They can be, you go one day, they give you the forms, they tell you what's expected, you can go back the next day, oh no, those are no good, you've got to do this now. It's kind of like going to the Division of Motor Vehicles here in the United States. <laughs> but that's what they face. These are all the things that have kind of given you this rapid fire this morning. This is all what they face and that's why I think it's so important that we pray for our missionaries. Have I said that before? That's important. So, you might not be called to the mission field, but everybody should be called to pray for their mission, missionaries. Amen? Amen? And so you're either a goer or you're a sender. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your goodness, mercy, and grace. Bless the morning worship service that all that we do bring honor and glory to you. You, the junior church downstairs, as they minister to the children, in Jesus' name, amen.